Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Kaiju Curry House. I'm your host, Joe, and tonight, regular co-host Paul and I are going to talk Godzilla Singular Point, which has now been released worldwide on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, stream it before you listen to this episode because we're going to be getting into spoilers and all sorts of anime goodness. But first, we must start the podcast episode with that all-important question, what have Kaiju been up to? Paul, yeah. what have Kaiju been up to? Let me tell you. So I've mentioned many a times that I've been playing this game, Outriders. I'm finished with it now. I've, I've, I think I've played it to death. But what's quite cool is there's some side missions in it, uh, one of which is a hunt. And so this guy will pay you in weaponry if you go down and you hunt, I think it's 10 of the meanest creatures on this planet. And are they actually mean or are they like sharks? No, they're, they're um, I'm trying to think how to describe them now. There's, there's kind of two main types. One's almost something like the predator. And then one's like a, I don't know, like a, a big, it's on, on all fours and it's got like two jaws and it's just gross. And then they tend to... It's like a manticore? No, I think... Um, I don't know how to describe it. Think of, I suppose, like a dog, really. Just a really... Re think of Clifford. But You've been angry. going around killing dogs? What kind of game is this, Paul? <laughs> no, it's just that that's that's kind of what it's like. Just, you know... Now, I'm trying to think of a creature that I could... I mean, if you're going around to. killing dogs, you're the meanest thing no, on the planet, not, dude. No, no, it's not a dog. Don't worry. There's no, there's no harming animals or... Well, apart from yeah, there's, there's no harming pets in that game. Just just creatures, just very mean creatures with lots of teeth. But they were a bit lazy. I just want to say lazy. There's they didn't do too many creatures, so it's a simple creature or it's a creature, and then they've done okay. We'll add some green to it, and he's a toxic version, or we'll add red to it, and he's like a fire version. And so it does get a bit repetitive when you're killing. You've the been same. hunting Pokemon. That, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Imagine that where it's just, you think well, that looks a bit similar. Um, but I had a blast doing it. Um, and if you go to our YouTube channel, I have done a little video that actually shows all the cutscenes of the creatures in the game. So you can just ping yourself over there and have a look. That's awesome. But yeah, that is cool. And I watched, I know you, you told me not to, Joe, but I watched Humanoids from the Deep. The, the 80s version. Oh, you watched the 80s no. version? How many versions are there? 80s. There are two. There are just two. Okay, no, I watched the 94, it might have been. Yeah, you it were was telling the 90s me. version. Yes, that's yeah. it, 90s. The one that you said, no, don't watch that no. because it's awful. It is. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> and I had they, fun with they it. both, neither one is Oscar worthy material. I mean, oh, if God, you give I can't the, imagine. If you give the Oscars any clout, but um, yeah, the 90s version, it just doesn't live up to the hype. I mean, the original, it's laughably good. The 90s one is just. I'm curious a bit what, hard. what the difference is because I saw it and it was fine. Maybe because I haven't seen the original because I, watch the original. I have no attachment to the original that I can watch this and think, you know, this was, this was fine. It was it's like, fun. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, again, I have to apologize to all the movie aficionados when I say this, but I'm just, I'm going to give, I'm just going to give an example here and hopefully you can follow along with me. So Jaws, right? Yeah. You don't need to remake Jaws. Jaws is Jaws. Jaws is good. Jaws is what it is. It's not scientifically accurate or anything, but it's, it's a good movie. So Humanoids from the Deep, 
it didn't need to be remade. It wasn't particularly scientifically accurate. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good movie for the genre and the entertainment of that type that you might be looking for, but it doesn't need to be remade. The special effects that they were using to remake it aren't any different from like what was being <laughs> used back then, only back then, at least it was an original concept. You know, like there are very few remakes that actually do justice. Invasion of the Body Smashers, The Thing, you know, it's just very few films can actually pull it off. And Humanoids from the Deep isn't one of those. <laughs> Watch the original, well, folks. Yeah, I'll just say the, the 90s version is fine. There's nothing, I didn't find anything wrong with it because I knew what I was expecting. But I will, I will check out the original. I will, I will track it down. Yeah, you'll have to um, tell me which is better at that or uh, Legend of the Dinosaurs and Monster Birds. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. I, I don't know if much can hold a candle to that, to be honest, but it'd be interesting yeah. which, which is better between the two in the 90s and 80s, as I saw the 90s first. So I'm, I'm curious about that. And, Incidentally, uh, oh, sorry. No, sorry, carry on. Incidentally, folks, if you've noticed, we've got a podcast host missing. Alex is on a lovely holiday and he will not be joining us tonight, but to let you all know that he's doing well and to maybe tickle your funny bone, Paul and I sent Alex the largest Legend of the Dinosaurs and Monster Birds poster that we could find on Amazon. It is enormous and because it is sentimental value and his friends got it for him, he just can't pitch it. So he's gonna have to put that thing up somewhere, isn't he now? He is and we're gonna need evidence. Yeah, we're going to get to look for that image tastefully displayed on our Twitter. <laughs> Anyways, Paul, go for it. Um, yeah, I was also just going to say, I noticed that um, there's a, a new Pacific Rim graphic novel coming out called Blackout, which is hmm. a prequel to the Netflix series. Oh, cool. And what Legendary Comics have done is they're doing a Kickstarter for um, basically all the Pacific Rim graphic novels in one. So this is a massive omnibus that's got all four previous novels and this new one. Um, so mm. if you're a Pacific Rim fan, go on to Kickstarter. Um, I think you've got until it's either the mid or end of August to sign up for it. And of course, if you do it there, rather than buying the shop, you get exclusive stuff. You'll get, I think there were some that were signed, like you get a little bookmark that was signed by the writer or artist and you get, um, wallpapers for your phone or, or desktop or whatever but just be warned it, it will be shipping from the states and i think for all five it was about 70 pounds so hmm. 70 pounds plus i imagine i mean that's going to be quite a quite heavy shipping isn't it a, a chunky chunky book yeah so you'd have well, to be quite, you'd have to be quite a big fan because that's probably at least 100 quid there i mean if you're a kaiju fan in the uk you're going to be paying a bit for shipping on it yeah. something whatever you get <laughs> i mean it's not like we it's not like we've got a domestic product here so no. but uh yeah that's interesting incidentally folks while you're on kickstarter i always uh, encourage my friends to look and i'll do it on this podcast now there is a wonderful line of dinosaur action figures called beasts of the mesozoic and one of the uh, sculptors that does the NECA toys has gone off and he has made his own line of scientifically accurate dinosaur, fully posable dinosaur toys. Oh, nice. And the sculpts and the paint jobs on them are fantastic. 
they did Raptors for the first wave. And it was one of those that was instantly funded because the quality is off the charts. And then they've recently um, gotten through Ceratopsians. They're in the process of shipping out Ceratopsians. And he has been teasing Tyrannosaurs as the next branch that they're going into. And if you're a dinosaur fan, you can get these at like everythingdinosaur.com, Dan's Dinosaurs, stuff like that. But chances are, if you're a big, if you're a mega dinosaur fan, you already know Beasts of the Mesozoic. So yeah, but if you're on Kickstarter, that seems to be like a long-standing one that's just on there because it's a fantastic product and they keep bringing out more. So okay. give it a look-see. It's good stuff. That's always good. And um, it's quite breaking news, actually, as we're recording this um, Thursday, 22nd of July, and they've announced that Legendary um, is looking at being sold or merging. I don't know if, hmm. how that would affect the MonsterVerse, but it's just interesting to see that such a massive... Who are, they, uh, who are they looking to merge with? I assume it would be Warner Brothers or something like that, or Universal? I don't know. But from what I could see in the article, there wasn't really anything... That, that said who they might be going with Ooh, so i don't know that's it. i don't know if it's gonna be another film company or if they're gonna go with someone all you know different altogether that's interesting i mean I, I hope that they get to you know keep a lot of their creative directions because i like a lot of legendary films i think that they do a fantastic job well that's it because have... i mean they've done like Jurassic world's great godzilla's been great um and that um june isn't it was coming out soon Dune, yeah. Dune, and yeah so. The thing is, they did, they've done a lot of great superhero movies, too. I have I have nothing against the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I just grew up with DC, and I really appreciate a lot of the DC films that they've done. So, like, I think Batman Begins was a legendary film. You know, like, they, they do a really good job. I love Batman Begins. Yeah, you're going to go and watch it now, aren't you? Yeah. yeah <laughs> but no, I mean, these these are just, it's a great studio, and I, I really hope that, like I said, they get to keep a lot of their creative direction. Yeah, let's hope so. That's, um, okay, that's it for me. So, Joe, what have Kaiju been up to? In truth, Joe has been eagerly awaiting a few things coming in the post. Um, as he normally does, he, he has eyes bigger than his wallet. And... Um, but luckily in this case, I, I suppose not. Um, my lovely partner, Dawn, who you may have met on our Loch Ness episode, um, she got me the Nanmu Studios Shadow Monarch, which is the Vestatosaurus Rex from Peter Jackson's King Kong. It is an incredible sculpt and paint job. I dare say it, it rivals X plus and it comes with a base, which is basically a bunch of Kong skulls. And it, it's, brilliantly sculpted it's so good and i've got that in the post somewhere it's, it's making its way and i also have a few x plus figures that should be coming my way um it's kind of funny because x plus released a lot of figures you know for uh pre-order during the pandemic and because of the pandemic the production has slowed down so i'm sure at some point i'm going to get a string of figures come to my house and I'll be like, wow, Joe really did not manage his space very well. <laughs> Paul seeing, you know, like my office behind me, he's just like, yeah, where, where are you going to put those Joe? 
But um, I, I'm really looking forward to the Cyclops, the Ray Harryhausen Cyclops that Star Ace is uh, one releasing. It's um, sculpted by the X Plus folks, but I'm waiting for that. And I got the deluxe version with the really nifty base, and that's really cool. Right now, um, as we record this, the Valley of Guangi Guangi um, dinosaur has dropped. The deluxe version has a base with you know the name and everything. And it has a rather dead pterosaur whose wing comes off and you can put it in Guangi's mouth. I would have gone with a more tasteful cowboy lassoing Guangi, but there it is. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of debating on that one. I have the 1 million years BC Allosaurus behind me, which is a great Harryhausen dinosaur. But at the same time, Guangi's Guangi. You know, like I, I could get a gorilla action figure and that could be King Kong, but do I want to have the King Kong? So this is one of those things that I'm really chewing myself up over right now. In terms of having watched anything recently, um, haven't honestly. I've uh, haven't been watching a lot of TV, but enjoying the outdoors. Um, for those of you in the UK, you'll know that uh, good old Boris on the 19th, he said that we could go outside and kind of mingle. I've been responsibly wearing my mask and I continue to be socially distant, but the lovely weather that we've been having has encouraged me to go outside. And I don't know, I haven't seen many kaiju in the wild in Southern England, but you know, it's just, it's just been really nice to kind of get outside. <laughs> but um, no, that's been quite good. Um, but yeah, you know, just that sort of stuff, just kind of dreading the influx of pandemic pre-orders that are going to hit my house. But, but I, I, mean, I would have thought they would have, it would, they would like, um, kind of slowly come, gradually come. They wouldn't all be shipped in one go, surely. No, if they I, delayed... don't, I, don't, I don't think that they could ship all in one go. But um, the thing is, is I think the Cyclops should be coming relatively soon. And I'm not going to tell all you good folks how many orders that I did place because I will, I will be a proper addict in your eyes and it's, it's best to keep a little air of mystery, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be strapped for space, but at the same time, I'm quite excited. One of, well, I'll, I'll say two of the figures I'm really excited to get my hands on. Um, I ordered the burning, uh 2019 rodan in the flying pose cool which i thought was pretty darn cool i just i really enjoyed that version of rodan and the fact that it's in the flying pose with clear supports that's just a really nice thing to have i'm all the rodans because of the wings at least all the previous ones because of the wings and the vinyl they like to fall over and because of the way that one's sculpted, he's just kind of lying on his belly on these clear stands because he's flying. So he's not going to fall over. And it's just, it's a really lovely characterization. I really like that. And then I also got the deluxe Talos from Star Ace, the Ray Harryhausen um, giant um, fella from Jason and the Argonauts. And, or is it Jason and the Argonauts? I think it is, yeah. But I'm sorry, sacrilege. I've seen that movie so many times, but my mind's kind of going blank. But um, yeah, I've got that. And what really drove me to that figure, Talos in himself, I wouldn't have necessarily gone for, but because he's actually got the Argo in his hand and each individual ore 
is on that boat and then you've got him straddling you know that straight like he does in the film i thought that was really cool and as much as anything that base is what attracted me to that figure i think that the star race has really been knocking it out of the park with their um, bases and their little extras for the Ray Harryhausen line. And I, I think that they add a lot to it. Some of them are a little bit more subtle, like the, like the Emir, but uh, I think with Talos, they did an amazing job. And then with the 1 million years BC figures, what they did is they put Tumak and Moana, you know, with the different critters yeah so you can get them if you buy the right critter and of course you know diehard fans will have to do that so that you can get the pair you can't have one without the other which was a great bit of you know sales chops but yeah there there are a couple of figures that i've got coming to me that should tidy up my connection my collection and uh i'm really waiting for that dragon to drop which is a cool bit you know i'm really looking I want the Harryhausen dragon. That that's always kind of been my dragon ever since I've seen that film. There's Vermithax from Dragon Slayer. There's the Sleeping Beauty Maleficent. Like lots of folks have different dragons, but that one from uh, the Island of Colossa. That was that's my that, dragon. That's your dragon. Yeah, that should be a topic one day. What's your dragon? That's a just, good just one, Paul. The top, top ten dragons or something. Yeah. What is what is your dragon, Paul? What's your dragon? Uh, we were talking about before the show. Um, Tiamat, I'd say, would be mine. Tiamat. Oh, wow, nice. So, for those I, of you who do not know, Tiamat, Tiamat, however you want to pronounce it, she is a five-headed chromatic dragon. Um, that means one head's black, one head's white, one head's red, one head's green, one head is blue. And she's just a big old monster. She's a dragon goddess and she's evil. And she's in Dungeons and Dragons and she's been displayed in a lot of different types of media, but the probably perhaps the most famous one is the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon where she was a main villain. Yeah. And then- Only thing they could fight against Venger, loved it. Yeah. And then, Recently, Magic the Gathering has released her as a card, which is really cool. You can get either the traditional style of Magic card, um, where there's just a box picture of her, or you there is an alternate art version, which is floating around. It's kind of like a lottery when you um, get a pack, whether or not you open one of these up. But there is a full art oil painting version where the entire card is just the art. Oh, it's gorgeous. Like they did it for a lot of the different cards in this set because I mean, obviously Dungeons and Dragons is a very nostalgic game for a lot of people. So Timat had gorgeous, gorgeous art. And then for every single one of the chromatic dragons, they had a regular version, which is like, um, the uh, green dragon, for instance. So there's a green dragon, just generic. And then there's old Gnawbone, which is like the legendary, you know, specific one. Like that particular green dragon is known and it's an honorary version. It's kind of like there's sperm whales and then there's Moby Dick. There's a green dragon and then there's old Gnawbone. And they did like a legendary version for each one. And it's really neat because each version of those dragons is a character that you can find in the Forgotten Realms storyline of Dungeons and Dragons. So it's kind of neat. 
that what they did there because um, they've really brought they've really kind of like done a great merging of the two games in that set. So if you're a, a Magic or if you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan, it's kind of like lapsed as of recent. If you uh, find that your wallet's getting too fat, by all means, look at the Magic the Gathering Forgotten Realms set, which should be dropping on July 23rd. So by the time this podcast episode comes out, you can go and look at all the different cards and all their art. So yes. Anyways, I feel like we've deviated off topic again, <laughs> Fantastic. How do, how do we even do this? Alex isn't even here. I know, we can't blame on him anymore. I blame myself. I blame myself. I'll Anyways, we're going to take, we'll take a short break, folks, and then we'll come back and we'll actually talk about Godzilla Singular Point. Please stay with us. Hello, and welcome back to part two of Kaiju Curry House, where Joe and myself will be discussing Godzilla Singular Point, the Netflix show that is now available worldwide. Uh, we did briefly talk, well, we had a whole episode dedicated to our initial reactions back on episode um, 68. I had seen the first episode, Joe, I think you had seen the first four I want to say mm -hmm. and now we get to talk about the whole thing yeah, so, so to start off with I do want to bring up when we talked about it originally I remember you saying that the intro was really good and I and I was like well it's, it's different and I think that's because on the first episode it is just the pictures of the singular points and um, just lots and lots of talking over it like they're they're trying to understand it and it made no sense but it, it was very weird and I thought okay it's different but you seem to really dig it I thought maybe it'll grow on me but then episode two it changes up completely and it's more like a traditional intro that actually looks really cool and has scenes of Godzilla and all the characters and stuff so I just wanted to say that okay I can see why the intro is good <laughs> yeah it what did, what did you, all right, so initially when we talked about this, I said it was kind of like a Stranger Things meets Godzilla vibe. Did you get that from it? I can see where you're coming from with that because of this whole weird other place where the red dust is coming from. And yeah, I, so I could see that. The red but, dust side down, yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's it. We just didn't ever see that. So we, we never saw the upside down world. We never visited that. And maybe yeah. we'll do it in another season, but needless yeah. to say, they have worse things than demogorgons, which is yet another <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons reference for those of us listening to this episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought it was really cool. One of my, I, I really enjoyed that in the first episode, they just didn't jump in with both feet into Godzilla lore, and they give you that great, oh my goodness, cliffhanger ending when you see, and okay, folks. Spoiler warning. Okay? Oh, we should say, yeah. Yeah, we, we said at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> spoilers, okay? You're, you're going to ruin this for yourself potentially because this is a great show with a lot of, with a lot of uh, great Easter eggs, surprises, good stuff like that. So spoiler. But yeah, at the end of the episode, when they see Godzilla's skeleton, it was a great, oh my goodness moment. Like, I, I, I thought that he was going to cause trouble, and yet here he looks dead. Yep. So... Hmm. But yeah, they get into it. So um, yeah, that, it was a good, it was a good first episode. We've got uh, strange phenomena happening that aren't like your normal typhoon, volcanic eruption things. These are more based in physics, electromagnetic uh, phenomena. And it's just kind of neat in that sense. So Paul, who was your favorite character early on? Who grabbed you the most? 
Oh, not the AI. Not the AI, huh? <laughs> you didn't Actually, like the doggy. I I was not a fan of the dog. I have to say. Um, Did it grow on you as the series progressed? I would say I think he was. I think it he was a cool moment in the last episode. It has a cool moment in the last episode. Yeah, I, I think they just kind of went a bit crazy with him at first, and it was so jarring from the rest of the characters. I was like, okay, this is completely a different tone to what the rest of the show is going for. But I, mm -hmm. I know that's what you know that that's common for Japanese things, isn't it? To have something like that. I suppose I, I know you were saying about May, she's like, oh, she's like kind of like the traditional you know, coloured hair and. It's just yeah. I, I actually quite like May because the, the guy is oh the, he's the, he's a stump he's got the emotional IQ of a stump was... <laughs> um, does he smile in the whole series I don't think he does I just oh. I, I I found it very hard to like him as a character I had I this think is Yun he, right he could have died um, yes yeah Yun he was just like uh, okay he 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 he's 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 in he's indoors too much we'll just we'll just say that about yeah he, he spends too much time indoors alone um what's his, what's mate, his name yun the, the no the um, yeah the crazy guy well, not, not crazy it turns out but you mean grandpa yeah oh yeah grandpa he's cool he was funny <laughs> i liked him that was that was the right kind of crazy yeah <laughs> he's just like giant monster from another dimension Come at me, bro. <laughs> like, dude, you're 80. <laughs> no, he was it. good. I really did like May, though, but you can tell again. I mean, she fits into a lot of traditional anime tropes. I mean, like the color of her hair, how big her eyes are. Yeah. I mean, so, so basically, I'm not cutting into Japanese animation styles because a lot of people in anime have larger eyes than they normally would. Disney do, does this, you know, like, but with May, it's really kind of funny because all the other female characters in this show have normally drawn eyes. They have normal hair colors. And then there's May with these enormous anime eyes and purple hair. And it's just immediately you see her and she's like, ah, oh, she has plot armor. Cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think she's really cool. I really like the fact that she is a brilliant scientist or, you know, grad student in her own right she's interested in monsters and stuff basically she's like every kaiju nerd's dream you know like oh wow she'd be brilliant but i really like her just because she furthers the plot line she doesn't view young romantically at all and she doesn't no. have it she doesn't have any romantic interest she talks a lot to other female characters about things other than guys it's really good that they did that in this series and she's just a smart capable woman and that just says a lot for just like the fandom i mean like we're opening it up to other people other than your traditional you know like scientist dudes like there are other characters that can come into this series and it's just i'm really glad for may i really like her she was a brilliant inclusion we need more mays in the kaiju community for sure yeah it was refreshing for there not to be a like a love triangle or something going on there yeah, I'm, I'm glad they focused on May, Young, and science. Jet Jaguar. Who's gonna Who's gonna get her heart? You know, it's that thing. Jet Jaguar was really cool in this series. Actually, yeah, let's so. let's speak about Jet Jaguar because Joe, I don't really like him in the Godzilla films. He feels like a I know I'm getting a lot of abuse of this. I, he feels like a poor man's Ultraman to me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he is like 
the you know the attempt to cash in on the 70s yeah mecca dude thing and alex i know alex loves him which is why i can say it (laughs) no no no. i like jet jaguar i like jet jaguar i think that he was absolutely brilliant in uh godzilla rulers of earth the comic book by yeah yeah um the they did an amazing job with jet jaguar there they gave a certain mystery to the character his powers are used appropriately you can't see what Jet Jaguar is thinking because lack of facial expression. I think that that makes gives the character okay, yeah. a lot of mystery. It's like watching V for Vendetta or you know reading that comic, because because he's behind that mask, you can't see what he's thinking. Only what it, the actions are or what he chooses to say. There's no facial expression to read. So there's an air of mystery around the character. Jet Jaguar in Rulers of Earth had that for the you know the few issues that it was in. He was in, and I think that was really cool. The original Godzilla versus Megalon, he was definitely a main character of that, but it's an interesting film. You know, mm. it's just it's it's one of those interesting films. But Godzilla's singular point elevates that character yes. tremendously. So, Paul, what did you give us uh, some Jet Jaguar love? That's it. I, as I say, I had no love for Jet Jaguar going into this, but now. You, I might have to go back and, and watch Godzilla vs. Megalon because I just love this take on him. It's so great. I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if he was going to be in it a lot because he's so, he's not that big. I thought he can't be that strong, but I like how they keep changing him, upgrading him. And yeah. it, it's, it's great to see this character grow throughout the show. And he's such an integral part of it. And I wouldn't have thought that because it's, it's Jack Jaguar. He's, he's, he's like a throwaway character from the Godzilla films. But this series, has shown so much love to the characters that aren't really recognized as, as that popular. Exactly, exactly. So Godzilla's singular point, again, that point needs to be struck home. This series, it has Godzilla in it, but it's all of the lesser known Toho Kaiju that it really focuses on and gives like a lot of the limelight. So again, okay, so we've made that point. Going back to Jet Jaguar. So in the show, grandpa 80 year old dude he is convinced that he needs to use his engineering prowess to stave off the end of the world he believes an apocalypse is coming so of course to thwart any apocalypse you just build a giant robot don't you yes this is what you do so jet jaguar well not necessarily giant is probably oh like over two stories high would you say probably about two stories yeah he's two stories yeah two stories high Yeah, so they make a two-story high robot, which you can pilot from the inside. And then in one of the early episodes, a Rodan attacks. Now, in this show, in this series, there are lots of Rodan. There isn't one specific one. Anyways, a Rodan pterodactyl, pterosaur, attacks. And the guy, Grandpa, inside of Jet Jaguar, you know, fights it off to give a crowd enough time to run away. But he gets knocked out of it. So what Yun does is he has his little AI app on his phone, hack it, and take control of it. And basically, he tries to rock, rock paper, scissors, Rodan to death. And like that's literally what he's doing. Like the program's like a game. Like that's all it could do inside of Jet Jaguar. So it's just kind of like bobbing its hand up and down, and the Rodan kind of like tears it to bits, and then dies because it's been out of its dimension too long. Anyways. Um, Jet Jaguar keeps having encounters like that 
And every time that they have an encounter, this engineering firm builds them back up. All the while, though, they haven't really been piloting him since that first encounter. Ever since then, what they've done is they've let the AI kind of take control. And because it's an AI that learns, Jet Jaguar becomes more and more of his own character, and it has more and more of its own personality, which is really neat to see. So again, spoiler, at the end of the series, it is Jet Jaguar that saves the day. And the show revolves heavily around time travel, time travel paradoxes, alternate dimensions, branching realities, like all sorts of great metaphysical stuff. And the Jet Jaguar that we have here, basically its AI becomes merged with the future AI and it works out way, it has worked out the ways to stop Godzilla. And you get a giant Jet Jaguar Godzilla throwdown at the end of the film, or not the end of the film, the end of the episode, which is the finale of the series. And it was great. I really like that. The other great thing about Jet Jaguar, and again, all the characters in the show are their designs. So all the kaiju look great. They're very original takes on all the traditional designs. And then Jet Jaguar itself looks like a modern mech suit, like with the pistons and everything and like the hydraulics, even the front grill. I mean, all that, the battery pack that Jet Jaguar usually has on its back, it looks fantastic because it's all rooted in real reality. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah, that was a ramble, Paul. You need to speak up, dude. Like, give, give us something. <laughs> I was like, you just, you know, praised it, Jacob, because he does deserve it for this show. I'll give him that. It's, it's definitely um, going to make a lot of fans, I think, out of it. But you mentioned there's more than one Rodan. I didn't know that. I saw a single Rodan, and by the end, there's literally swarms, isn't there, in the city? There is yeah. hundreds upon hundreds of them. Yeah, it's... and I think it was like the first or second episode, there's only one. It's like the first one to show up. Yeah. But yeah, th there are like swarms. Globally, there are it's... swarms of Rodan. Yeah, I think, I think um, it shows the map, doesn't it? It says oh, the, the, a, sw a swarm of Rodans are attacking the United Kingdom. And yep. we, yeah, it's just like, well, they are up there now spreading over the world, spreading this red dust. Uh, it's, it's very cool there, they did they did do a really cool design there was one big one yes it had like five seconds of screen time and it was <laughs> just it looked so cool and then godzilla nuked it and it was just gone but it was so cool for all of five seconds it was jet black it had like yellow orbs it didn't have any eyes it was like a venom version of rodan only it had like yellow or white would be and it was about to do a beam and it has like this smoke coming off of it like these built like this billowing smoke it was like a balrog kind of thing it was really cool for all of five seconds but again you know like this is something that they did in this series like all of the main kaiju that you would associate like like we didn't have like a huge mothra plot we didn't have like a huge Rodan plot. We didn't have like a huge Mechagodzilla or Ghidorah plot. It's like Toho listened to the legion of people that were just saying, okay, we know you know how to do those monsters, but the other 20 that you've been ignoring the past 40 years, we'd like to see those too. And they finally did something with them. It was great. Yeah. Uh, so they did it and they did it well. Exactly, exactly. That's, because, yeah. 
Rodan, Rodan's great. Um, Manda didn't get as much as much screen time, but still, well, at least at least Manda wasn't some. just it wasn't just constricting the Atragon. That's just like Manda's yeah, yeah. job <laughs> in all of Toho. Like I, I saw Manda and I was just okay. Where's the sub? When's it going to show up? And then there was a sub in one of the episodes, and I was expecting like, okay, when's Manda going to show up? And then it was Godzilla Aquaticus, or what those in the proper fandom just call Titanosaurus. And it was like chasing after the sub. And I'm just like, this is great. This is good stuff. So what other, what was, what were the kaiju that you liked the most? I thought I liked um, Angiris. Angiris was good. Angiris got a few episodes of Spotlight. It was Which, well deserved too. Yeah, had a, had a good battle with Jet Jaguar and um, was what deflecting bullets because it could, it knew somehow yeah we were learning a lot it's, about the phenomenons and there's a lot of stuff going on yeah so Ang angelus angiris gives a few clues into like where these creatures are coming from why they're coming from and what's happening by nature of its abilities so angiris has like this ability where it can see like a split second into the future when it does like this peculiar vibration like, aura yeah. thing and okay, that's fine. It's from another dimension. I'm willing to accept this because they've explained that they, they've given that plot expedition exhibition at this point in the uh, series, but it has that. And it's, it, Anguirus, it kind of stays through to the end of the show because they use one of Anguirus's spikes as a weapon for Jet Jaguar. They put it on a pole and they make a spear out of it, which I thought was pretty cool. It doesn't very much had a lot of monster hunter vibes to be yeah. fair. But yeah. Anguirus was very cool they gave a lot of uh, great uh, thought into that design for sure. And I'm really glad that they had um, Kumonga or, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of them in it, but I wasn't that in love with the creature. So, you know, like they, the giant spiders. So it was a mixture of Megalon, Kumonga and Hidora. Oh, really? And Kamakaris actually. So there were different variants. So no, it was like a hive. So with ants, you have oh, worker, you, you have worker ants, you have warrior ants, you have the flying ants, and I'm sure that there might have been a queen one somewhere around there. But basically, they're like spiders. Some of them have like the praying mantis pincers. The generic spidery ones have like the mega megalon. Um, oh, what do you call it? Drill bit arms at the front, and then um, they have megalons like head horn star thingy crest um and they have that coming out of the rear of their abdomen um that's cool and then when you kill them their blood is essentially hedora and i thought this is great because they're oh, from okay. another they're they're from another dimension i mean like why wouldn't their blood be weird like that I mean, John Carpenter's The Thing, we saw blood acting in its own weird way. Yeah. We saw a creature mutating and doing all sorts of strange things. Great concept. It's just that what Toho did here is like, okay, we're going to modify that a little bit. It's just an animal and its blood has the capability of bringing it back together or whatever, self-healing it. It retains that consciousness or like the body is just a shell. So, or Hedora could be a parasite controlling these creatures. Because you have a lot of fungus that control, control ants and stuff. Okay. So 
it was an interesting take on the characters. I thought that was really good. They combined a lot of characters into one, kind of like Godzilla. Yeah. So let's, so let's talk about Godzilla for a moment. So Godzilla first appears as a skeleton, which looks traditional Godzilla. So I think it's great that at the beginning of the series, they set up what Godzilla looks like. And then at the midpoint of the series, they show you Godzilla Aquaticus, which is what we all like we're all just like that's titanosaurus that's the orange warbly monster of 1975's terror of godzilla it's just been redesigned and godzilla aquaticus looks great and it, it goes and kills varan or not varans it kills mandas it like hunts them down and it looks great and then it gets on land and it changes and it changes into godzilla amphibia I think that's what it is and then it looks like varan and it kind of becomes a cocoon and they break the cocoon and then it becomes kind of like a gorosaurus godzilla it's green it's not quite there he has some of like he has some gabbara um characteristics and then that godzilla morphs into biggin which is the singular point godzilla that's on all the media so Godzilla, like Shin Godzilla, yeah. goes through an evolution in this show, which I think was great. I, I really like that. It was a like... very, yeah, it was a very novel concept in Shin Godzilla, and Toho was like, people like that, let's do it again. <laughs> so that was great. It was a great way to call back a lot of other kaiju that may not have just gotten screen time otherwise, but like they kind of wrapped them into Godzilla. So kind of like we had a whole bunch of kaiju going into the Kamunga Megalon Hidora Kamakuras hybrid. We have Godzilla um, as Titanosaurus, Varan, Gorosaurus, and himself. So it was nice to see that, but because they, they, they gave the impression, like I said, what Godzilla was supposed to look like at the beginning with that skeleton, you weren't necessarily prepared to see what his evolution would look like in the show. Because I remember watching it as it was all coming out, and it's like Godzilla Aquaticus, is that just what, like they know what a Godzilla is and they're just putting Aquaticus on because it's okay. a Titanosaurus. It's just a large reptilian thing. I had no clue going in that that was gonna turn into Godzilla. And I thought that was a really cool thing because they did that trick. They tricked your mind into thinking this is what Godzilla looks like with that skeleton. And then they brought it around and gave you that evolution. It was like, ah, that's cool. You didn't necessarily know where it was gonna go. So Godzilla was really neat there. Right. Well, I think that's time for our second break, and then we'll come cool. back and wrap this bad boy up. Awesome. One. Hello, and welcome back to episode 74. This is Joe and Paul, and we're talking Godzilla's singular point whilst Alex takes a much-deserved holiday. Anyways, we were talking about kaiju in the last segment of the episode, and I feel like we have to kind of give a little bit more credence to the plot, as metaphysical and confusing and well above our heads as that may be. Paul, was there any point in this show where it may have lost you? Yeah, there might have been a few points that I felt they did make it quite complex. Yeah. I would have been happy with just an alternate dimension, and that's it. They didn't need to yeah, throw but... in time travel and stuff as well. I know, but you know what? You know what? What they did is they explained everything. They did not, I mean, like, there's a lot of plot points that need explaining, but, like, they set themselves up for a second season. We'll get into that, folks. But what they've, they've done, they've covered a lot of bases here and they've world built a lot of this, which I gotta say, that's the kind of stuff that I really enjoy. So 
yeah, when you're watching this show, it wouldn't hurt to have like Wikipedia or Google next <laughs> to you so you can figure out what it is that they're talking about. I'm not going to lie. This left me in the dust a number of times. And I just had a quick Wikipedia, a pause of Wikipedia, and I got it. Oh, okay, okay. That's what they're talking about. Cool. And then I just carried on. But you know what? It just, hey, you know, learned a few things while watching this. You don't often get to have that with Godzilla. So I will give it, you know, more kudos for that. But the plot of the show basically revolves around an un oncoming disaster, which we will call the singular point, the cataclysm. The catastrophe, isn't it? Yeah, the catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. So we have a device that you don't find out about until later in the show. And it is used to see what's going to happen in the future. It also has ties to new types of energy. And it's also a big magnet for large, scary critters. And the chief of which I gotta say is Gabra. And Gabra kicked a lot of butt in this show. That is the scariest Gabra. I mean, if that Gabra and Godzilla were to throw down, that would be a fight. I mean, he's smaller, but like the end scenes, right? Like the last points where you see Gabra, like when he's ripping the cover mm. off of this installation and like he's snarling, his eyes are glowing and stuff. Oh, it's pretty man. demonic, isn't it? It's demonic, <laughs> but it's awesome. I mean, like Gabra was like a throwaway joke character and they made it cool. It's like the 90s Gamera all over again. It's like, you mean to tell me that jokey hokey series got suddenly got serious and then you watch it and you're like, whoa. Dang. This is good stuff. But yeah, anyways, Gabra, it was sexy Gabra, we'll call it. And it did a lot for it. And um, sorry, children. But um, anyway, it was just so good in that sense. But yeah, we're trying to stave off this oncoming disaster. You find out there's this device, which is simultaneously predicting, providing solutions, but also causing a lot of the trouble. Yeah, right? So. Yeah, what's going on? But again, time travel paradoxes, metaphysics, oh. different branching realities. You learn about a lot of this stuff. And we can say that Singular Point did it before Loki. So hot diggity dog, right? <laughs> anyway, um, by the way, there was a Loki alligator. Big credence to that. Marvel, that was great. Make Double Dinosaur. Not a cartoon, live action. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we got, we got a little bit of exposition on this device. Basically, someone was working with it before. Things stopped. There's a Godzilla skeleton from before. Where did that come from? And you realize a lot of the groundwork was laid for the characters. And then there's like a hidden message that they're trying to find. And at the end, you find out this weird song that they've been listening to this entire time has a code hidden within it, which is basically the codes that Jet Jaguar needs to do its thing and kick Godzilla's butt at the end of the film. Or at least, you know, drawn to a stalemate. Yeah. But um, the characters are basically like, world traveling and trying to figure out like what's going on where are all these hidden messages where's the stuff coming from how does this make sense how do we stop this catastrophe and it's kind of a race against time thriller kaiju series and it's quite good and it has a lot of great stuff i wouldn't say that there's any hair raising moments i didn't feel like anybody was truly in a lot of danger i think one person gets eaten and that's pretty much it but uh no, it was really good. And then after credits, after the series, we see that original Godzilla skeleton. And what are they doing, Paul? It's going to be Mecca. They're making a yes. Mecca out of it. That it's basically, cool. 
they're taking they're taking the Kiru concept. They're building a mecha around the original Godzilla's bones only. It looks like the Showa version mecha Godzilla, which I gotta say was a great nod. It looked awesome. This basically whole this whole series is just like a big love note to the Showa films, wasn't it? It really is. Yeah, everything. I mean, especially the aimed credits, which have nothing to do oh, with yeah. the actual episode, but I've got everything you've ever loved in Godzilla just thrown at you in like a minute. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just, it's great. It's absolutely, I mean, like, whoever did the end credits has like major ADD, but it was <laughs> so good. I loved it. Um, but yeah, it, it's a great series. Paul, where would you rank it among Godzilla stuff? I mean, how highly do you rate it? Um, with a, aside from the fact of the, the plot, because normally in the Godzilla plot, it's so basic, isn't it? It's a case of, oh, there's aliens, or it, it's it's almost ridiculous. Whereas this actually seems like it's jumped, it's, it's no longer just, oh, they've made, tried to make it good. They've, they've tried to make it super, super smart. And I think they probably should have dialed it back a little bit. Well, so, I don't know. I mean, like, did they have to dial it back or should they just aim high? You can aim was, high. They can aim high. I mean, like some bits, they said like the, the song, being there from the beginning and it actually has the code that is the key to the end and how they explained that um, they, the answer they, was they've got present. the answer, but they don't know what the question is. Yeah, so exactly. I, it's like, I okay, was... yeah, that they're making it really good to the, to the degree that I can actually understand it, which is, you know, what I like. But you say, you actually have to look at, you have to look at the internet to find out what some things were. So that just seems quite highbrow for Godzilla. I like so, it. I I'm think not, the world was ready for highbrow. I yeah, think the maybe. Ready for highbrow Godzilla, yeah. But I mean, it's it's a, such a refreshing take that I just like how Shingles that came out and it's just like, wow, that was not what I expected, but it's fantastic. Same with this. It's I I I highly rate it. I'd recommend anyone who likes Godzilla watches it. Anyone who likes anime watches it because it's just it's very it, as you say it's it's got lots of kaiju, but it's also got a really strong story. And it's not a typical story about the anime girl falling in love with the anime guy. No, this is actually a, a very science-based story. So props yeah. to Toho for going this route. Absolutely. It was just solid. It was just solid, solid. See, the Godzilla Earth that we got years ago. Well, again, I mean, that tried something it, different. I know, it tried something different, but it tried to do like science, but it, it wasn't doing it quickly and it wasn't doing it in a flashy, fun way. There wasn't any nostalgia to grab onto. There weren't any like real Easter eggs. It was, like you said, it was kind of basic in a sense. Yeah, but I was just because it had, that had, um, well, I'm trying to think, it was like the, the mechagods of the city, wasn't it? Where it's like nanites or something. So it was, it was definitely trying something different and it was trying to elevate it to above the normal Toho plot, but it, the, the pacing was definitely off. And the pacing was off and Godzilla didn't do anything. Godzilla didn't do much. I mean, Godzilla didn't do much, a massive amount in a singular point, but he no, was, but there were so many other characters in it that you so cared about kaiju, or enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I don't think the other anime had that. I can't even remember no. it now. I think that it was just, it was so slow paced compared to what singular point is. And singular point being episodic, you know, it had a longer runtime, but mm. It also had lots of great cliffhangers. Like you didn't just stop at one episode and be like, okay, we'll just leave it there. Every single time you're like, oh, I want to see what happens next. Yes, it that did was, have that. 
that was pretty good. What, what, hap what happens next? So where I would rank Godzilla's singular point, it's got to be like in my top five Godzilla anything. I, I, I don't necessarily know if it would make like all around top five monster films slash monster shows like monster media, but definitely for Godzilla, it's going to be in my top five of any movies, any series. I, I think that it, it, it's done remarkably well. All of the character work is solid. It doesn't have any, you know, like forced romance or forced funny moments. Did you yeah. find the, the yeah, there, were, they... there were some kind of chuckly moments, like some lighthearted moments in it, mm. but they weren't forced. And if someone was being weird, the other characters would be like, that guy's kind of weird. <laughs> You know, like it, it was just like it was grounded. Yeah. Yeah. It was very grounded. It felt normal. It felt like these could be real people. They were very well written characters. And this is the thing. I feel a lot of Godzilla films and shows, episodes, what have you, they spend a lot of time focusing on okay, how can we get Godzilla up? And then how can we get him to fight another monster? And you have the whole plot centering around the final showdown between these two monsters, where in this case, they had a whole bunch of characters coming together to try and prevent that. And in a lot of Godzilla movies, like you have the characters trying to get the two monsters to fight. It's like, again, it's like uh, with Shin Godzilla, actually. So Shin Godzilla is about the people trying to prevent Godzilla from doing anything. So to use an example of what I previously discussed, where like the monsters fighting, people actively trying to get to do that, destroy all monsters. Terror of Mechagodzilla, Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla versus Gigan, like all these times, like the people that are involved are very loosely written, but the whole movie just revolves around Godzilla finding the other monster. And Godzilla strayed so far away from having the people be the center point that it just suddenly becomes such a novelty when they are. You know, strange I to think, think of it like that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, it becomes such a novelty. What think like it, the old concept has been used so infrequently that it becomes fresh, even though that's what originally Godzilla was. It was a human drama with the monster as a plot point. Because in the original Godzilla, I mean, like everybody's, if you've seen this, you're really listening to this podcast, you've probably <laughs> yeah, you've seen probably this. So, you have the love triangle and you have concerns about radioactivity and you have concerns about human beings coming across weapons that they aren't responsible enough for yet. And we're trying to prevent Godzilla, who's a plot point, to stop doing his thing. You have to have all the characters come together. You have the love triangle. They have to set aside their differences. You have to have the scientists and the people that want to have the monster destroyed. The scientists have to understand that this creature is not good for people. Yes, you know, we could learn a lot from it, but the price is too high. You know, like that, there was a lot of moral compass, social dialogue. I mean, it was great in that sense. And here in Godzilla's singular point, like we have just so much dialogue and we have people come together. It's grounded. It's, there's uh, just, when I talked about people like not dying and everything, I just recalled like Megalodon ate like a whole boathouse full of people. Yeah, Megalon, yeah, bummer. The Kamungulung, yeah, those, those spider things, that's what we'll call them. But yeah, um, but again, it's the human beings being the center of the story. 
Now, there are some people that will gripe and say, I, there weren't enough monsters. I want the monster fights. Like, okay, I get you. That's what you're here for. But you've got like 30 films worth of that. Give the plot people like a series, okay? So I think it was really cool. I'm glad that Toho is exploring other avenues for this character. Because Godzilla can be, you know, like a major plot point. But there's a broader show around him to support that. And I think that's really cool. And they did that in Godzilla's singular point. So yeah, I rank, I rank this show very highly. It's one of the best anime that I've ever seen. I've seen a few. I've seen a few. Um, so yeah, like major kudos. And I'm excited to see where they go in season two. Absolutely. Yeah, see what Mechagodzilla does. Oh yeah, and the other thing is too, like if they make a figure of that Mechagodzilla, that's gonna look so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. Oh yeah, I mean like I've already said I have no room, but you know. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, X Plus has got, I mean, I've, they've got me on speed dial now, Joe. Joe, we haven't seen you. <laughs> we haven't seen you place your order yet. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there we go. All right, so we come down to if nothing else. So I think we have. Right, so I feel like both, well, let's just get out of the way, folks. You need to watch Godzilla's singular point. Absolutely. Watch, watch the dub version because yeah. Netflix, because the characters are saying so much and getting so much detail across, they had to abridge the subtitles. So you won't get as much uh, detail out of the subtitles as you will listening to the English audio dub. Yep. And it's, I, it's, and I just to test that I did put on the subtitles and I mean, it even changes the tone because yeah. someone could be just saying something quite long to say, move out of the way, please. And then it's in the subtitles, just saying like, move. And you think at all, yeah. maybe that's come across aggressive in the text, but actually from the, if in the dub, it's not. So again, it comes, it, comes, it comes down to how much you can read. Oh yeah, time. if you can read really so, quickly. Yeah, I mean the, like- Get the original you, Japanese. Yeah, it just, it comes down to how much people can read. But yeah, watch it with the English dub um, if you can. If you have access to the original Japanese version with the English dub, that's fine. But for Western audiences, what they've done is they've given you the English dub version, which is the original Japanese dialogue, to be fair. The person that translated it, they did a wonderful job. The best I've ever seen in any Japanese translation. It's just the subtitles don't line up with that. So no. even if you have the subtitles going at the same time as the dub, you're going to be like, wait they didn't say that it's kind of like you know when you're watching a dub and the lips keep on moving it's kind of like the lips keep on moving it's like the dialogue keeps going but the subtitles have yeah. stopped so yeah watch it with the dub folks if you're at least in the western uh hemisphere you know like folks like paul and i but um yeah so watch singular point but what else can we recommend this week which well, sure, because we've been talking about it i want to go back and watch the original, not the original, the Godzilla anime, and just see how it's aged. How it holds up. Yeah, yeah compared to this now, is it going to be, has, has it been more time? Have, you know, will it, now I know what I'm walking into, I might enjoy it more, but at the same time, compared to this, it might not be as good. So I'm I'm curious, and I'm, I think we should give that another shot. Hmm. How about yeah. yourself? Well, you know, I brought up Dungeons and Dragons a couple of times in this episode, and now that the, pand the pandemic is hopefully getting a little bit more under control. There have been some positive things seen. Um, ho hopefully, you can go to your local bookshop or Amazon, preferably your local bookshop, 
pick up some Dungeons and Dragons books and learn how to play. So this isn't an electronic video game. It requires imagination and math skills. And it requires getting together with a group of friends and talking and having a good laugh, which I think is sorely needed nowadays. But Dungeons and Dragons, like the mechanics are there for you to make it whatever you, whatever adventure you want it to be. You could be as silly, as serious as Conan the Barbarian or Lord of the Rings as you want to be. And it's just good fun. So I think if you want to go out there and play a good game and have some monsters in it, potentially even some kaiju, because there are some creatures in Dungeons and Dragons that get quite large and quite large, dangerous and scaly, you might say. You know, it's a fun, fun game and it's really wholesome to play with a group of friends. Just like get a pizza, get your D&D going, and that's a great Friday night. But I will recommend that because there's been a little bit more Dungeons and Dragons revolving around in Joe's world lately and getting kind of back into it you know it's it's what did my appetite for more there you go excellent well folks we hope you enjoyed episode 74 um by all means check us out on youtube on twitter send us messages we love to have messages you know because we are just so socially deprived you know like we we love you guys so send us something and uh as always keep a kaiju